My bed is a spaceship. The tree in the sea. By Dr. Nick Krasner, narrated by Luke O'Neill. Chapter One. Bounce. Curtis had the best bed in the world. It was not because it had the softest sheets in the solar system, or that it made for the deepest sleep in his street. Neither was it because he could spring on the springiest springs at springtime. No, Curtis's bed was so cool because at a press of a button, it became a spaceship. Of course, beds don't just become spaceships, and that was the case with this one. His grandpa Tub. Had fixed his bed one evening after Curtis had broken it, and added the fastest rockets to it. They had named it the Mighty Motion, and this had led to the first of many adventures. I would normally now tell you about his spacemates and his special space kit, but an emergency on the Mighty Motion is taking place. So, hold on to your sheets, and if you have any. Slide on your space shades. Oh, black holes! Curtis exclaimed from the middle of his bed, which was levitating one meter off the ground in his bedroom. The bed began to rock from side to side. Then it shot upwards. Curtis almost smashed his head on the ceiling. He looked at his headboard, where a flashing sign read, "The tree in the sea needs your help." He did not know which tree, or which sea, or even on which planet his services were needed, but Curtis was ready to help. His bed's rockets began to shake, and he peered below his bed to where his toys lay. He wanted them next to him, not lying on the floor where they had fallen a few moments earlier. Mister Hippo, the large hippopotamus, was chewing nervously. On the side of his bedside cabinet, First Officer Zip, the bear, was undoing his zip and reaching into his chest to retrieve a length of rope. Suddenly, the engines turned off, and the bed hurtled to the ground. Exploding stars! Curtis screamed as the bed crashed onto the floor, just missing his toys. He fell back onto the bed and noticed the flashing sign. The tree in the sea needs your help. Fade into darkness. Footsteps suddenly boomed towards his door. Curtis managed to make his apologetic smile, which he had used so often that his face naturally did this any time that something went wrong. The door opened, and the high-heeled shoes of his mother stood on the lifeless Mister Hippo. She stood there, glaring at Curtis. Curtis sat there staring at the impaled toy beneath her feet. How many times? She asked. Her voice was angrier than Curtis could remember. The ceiling downstairs will now need fixing. I can't afford this, Curtis. She looked at the bed. I'll send Grandpa up to fix it. Maybe you should go to the garden so that you don't get into any more trouble. Oh, and don't touch my roses. They are in a competition in a few days. Yes, Mum. Sorry, Mum," he replied. 
If I win, I might have enough money to pay for the ceiling. I hope you do. Well, not the way they are looking now, she said, peering out of the window at the bushes of limp, colourless flowers. Oh, and Curtis, no television or computers for a month. A month? Curtis's mum then stormed out of the room with Mr Hippo stuck to her shoe. She pulled it off and threw it onto the floor. Curtis picked it up and pulled off a few fraying strands of cotton in the hippo's mouth. Otherwise, his friend was unharmed. Curtis was feeling sad as he went outside. He hated it when his mum was upset or angry. He wished he could do something to help. He wandered over to the rose bushes and touched the old saggy petals. A number fell off in his hand. Well, these aren't going to win, he thought to himself. He found an old tennis ball and started bouncing it on the ground. It hit a patch of mud, splattered into it and was stuck to the floor. He went to look for another ball and found a yellow bouncy one under the willow tree. He started bouncing it higher than his head. Even when he threw it in the mud, it still left the ground and rose back into his hands. He found some old toadstools and tried to bounce the ball so that when it rose, it knocked the top off the stalk. After a while, he became really good at it so that many toadstool heads were strewn across the lawn. Next, Curtis lay beneath the large willow tree in his garden and looked up at his bedroom window. He could see Grandpa Tubbs' balding head bob up and down as he fixed the bed. New and strange pieces of machinery were occasionally raised above head height before being lowered into the mighty motion. Curtis did not know what they did, but he guessed that they would make his spaceship even better. Curtis loved his grandpa Tub, who lived with him and his mum. His dad had remarried and lived about a mile away. His grandpa would always tell him stories about space and how his bathtub would become a spaceship when he twisted the shower nozzle. Curtis decided to see if he could help him. He walked through the shimmering branches and headed back indoors. His clothes and hair were all filled with fresh willow tree buds. How the pickles are you? Grandpa Tub asked Curtis as he entered the bedroom. Jupiter Joy, you fixed it, Curtis replied, looking at the bed. He noticed also that the wall with the window had paint and plaster missing. Did you fix the wall as well? Yes, and the downstairs ceiling, though it needs painting. Can I help? asked Curtis. Pickling good idea. So Curtis and Grandpa Tub got dressed up in old clothes and started covering all the furniture with sheets. Then it took hours to clean, then sand down the ceiling and walls. Next, they had to put white tape around the doors and windows. Finally, they started painting. First, they used thin brushes to paint around the window frames and light switches. Then they painted the walls. It was extremely tiring work, and Curtis's arms ached. Pickling good work, 
His grandpa told him, And I have got you a present. Grandpa Tub then put his hand in different pockets until he brought out a small parcel wrapped in brown paper. He handed it to Curtis. Thanks, Grandpa, said Curtis and ripped open the parcel. Inside was a metal rod with a blue and red tip either side. What is it? Curtis asked. It's a magnet, replied Grandpa Tub. He smiled and took a piece of paper. He poured hundreds of little iron filing rods onto it. He then placed the red end of the magnet under the paper and iron filings. The filings moved away almost magically from the magnet. Next, he turned the magnet over. The iron filings all shot into the centre on top of the magnet. When he moved the magnet, the rods followed as if stuck to it. Neptune nice, Curtis exclaimed. How does it work? Well, all iron has a charge. A charge? Yes, a charge, his grandpa said and began to sweat. It's not easy to explain, but there are people in your class you like and those that you don't? Yes, replied Curtis. Well, you will pickling want to sit next to those you like and pickling move away from those you don't. Yes. Well, that's how a magnet works. I still don't understand. Oh, pickling pickles, said his grandpa. Anyway, I'll put a big magnet in the drawer in your bed. It may come in handy. All of a sudden, something began to nag Curtis. What was it? His homework? Well, he always had that to do. Washing up? Nope. That was it. He remembered the flashing message. The tree in the sea needs your help. He told Grandpa Tub immediately. The tree in the sea? Grandpa replied. Of the planet of Z? I think so, replied Curtis. Well, you pickling better get going. <laughs>